I'm Stacy. I'm Jenny. And this is Learning for Life, a homeschool podcast. We are two homeschoolers who use different methods, curriculum, and strategies to make it all work. Our goal is to help parents teach kids how to develop a lifelong love of learning. Welcome back, everybody. We are back to our full-length episodes, and today I could not be more excited. We are going to be talking about how to make science more fun in your homeschool with John Stanton from Homeschool Science Club. Yes, I am so excited about this. So John Stanton is the creator of Homeschool Science Club on YouTube, and it's also a website. And both are just full of tons of fun science resources that you can use with your kids in your homeschool to make it really easy and fun. He is a former high school teacher. He's a former soil chemist for the state. um, And now he is a physician. So he and his wife currently homeschool their two kids, ages 6 and 10 and they've always homeschooled since the beginning. So he will have lots of insight on homeschooling in general at different ages for different subjects. So stay tuned for that. If you are new here, welcome. Jenny and I are your hosts as we discuss all things related to homeschooling and helping you instill a love of learning in your children. And you can see all of our resources, including the show notes for this episode at kidslearningforlife.com. So to give you a little bit of background on how we found John Stanton is I was in a Facebook group and I was able to see one of his videos was posted. And so I checked it out and it was so fun. Um, It was a science experiment. It was around Easter time and it was how to make a colored naked egg. So basically it you scientifically removed the outer shell and added color to it. it. It's this whole process. I'll make sure to link that video in the show notes if you want to go see it, but it was like changing egg, making a colored Easter egg. And the the video just got me hooked on the rest of his content. And I, we absolutely love this channel. Um, I even had to have Jenny watch some of his episodes. I was like, you've got to do this because we all know Jenny needs some, some more love and help and inspiration in that science area. Oh, yes. So I had to show her all of those. And now we are so excited to get to interview John and get more tips on how to make science fun in our homeschool. So without further ado, let's roll the tape. John, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited. Yeah. So the first question I have for you is why should kids learn science concepts in the first place? Like why should anyone even care? Yeah. So that's a good question. And I feel like you could could tackle that two ways. When... I was teaching high school. There's there's sort of the hardline objective stance, or it promotes critical thinking and promotes cognitive development, and that's all true and it's fun to say. But as a homeschool parent, I really do it just for the exposure to the content and to really promote curiosity. And to the first point on on exposure, it's just like at this age, and and obviously I'm biased. I've, I've spent my adult life kind of in science fields, but I, I, I really don't consider science to be any more important than any of the other topics like, you know, history, reading, math. But my main goal is to just to avoid a scenario where my kids are heading off to high school, they're heading off to college, and they are having to feel the pressure of, well, what do I want to do? What's my career going to be? 
And then they ultimately decide this path only to realize when they've completed it and they're in it, for example, they might be talking to somebody and realize, hey, they chose a, a great career. That's an interesting path that they chose. And they say, well, I wish I knew more about that at a young age and maybe I, I would have pursued it more. So to me, the exposure is the main reason, the exposure to the subject. And um, I guess getting back to promoting curiosity, at this age, we all know as parents that kids ask a ton of questions a day. And I've seen data that show, you know, that number can be 75 questions a day. And I've, I've even seen studies that show that it's up to 400. And as a parent, we know it's just a lot of questions. Anecdotally, kids ask a lot of questions. But there's also data out there that show as kids get older, they ask less and less questions. And I remember when I was teaching high school, the kids, my students would show up and they're like, oh, what's old man Stanton going to teach us today? <laughs> and they would just, they would, they would listen, they would write it down and they would just try to pass the test. There was very few spontaneous questions. So that's what I'm trying to do with my kids. And that's probably the main reason I, I, I teach them as much science as I can just because I feel like it continues their curiosity and I want them to continue to ask questions as long as possible. And it can be difficult sometimes because, because of the amount of questions mm -hmm. that they ask. You know, when they're, you know, for example, my son is, is six and, you know, you'll be in the car and, and you'll get the daddy. How, how, why do we have a moon? <laughs> and, you know, it can be hard to just come up with the answer right there that you, that you feel is justified and, and true. So anytime I'm in that kind of scenario, I'll say, well, that's a great question. Let's go home and read about it or let's go home and find out about it because I feel it's, it's much more important that, you know, we, we promote asking questions. Like it, it's, it's more important that they feel they're in an environment where they can ask questions. And it's actually less important that they, they hear the correct answer right then. Uh, if that makes any sense, I totally. just want them to, I yeah, love just, that so much. Yeah, that's you're really hitting the nail on the head because like our whole thing is learning for life. Like we our number one goal is to encourage kids to just continue being curious and learning. And like you said, I feel like that gets kind of killed in public school a lot of the time. Once kids like get to a certain age, it's like they don't feel comfortable asking or they don't I don't know their interest is gone and that's just it's so sad so I that's why we love your channel because you're really explaining things and maybe it's just because our kids are close in age to your kids or something but I think it just really resonates with kids the way that you're explaining and breaking down these concepts in just a really fun and interactive way um, it just really hits home with kids so I think I think that's great and I just love everything you just said I'm so glad you touched on that, Jenny, because that is literally one of the best parts about your YouTube channel is there are so many channels that just show the really, really cool experiment and how to do it and just give you a glossary like, oh, look, you can you know make this happen. But I love how you add little sections that actually try to explain it and teach the why behind everything. Um, and I think that's, like you said, they don't need an answer right then, but being able to go home and look that up and figure out why something's happening is going to just keep that curiosity going. Yeah, that, that's the main goal of it all, I guess. I mean, I really, as I said, I don't, I don't consider science any more important at this age than any of the other subjects. You know, it's all part, it's all an integral part of the educational pie. So, but um, just the ability to continue to promote curiosity, I think, is probably the most important aspect of uh, of teaching these lessons. 
Right. So for families out there, could you give an idea of like how much time and like what kinds of materials they would need in their home to be able to teach science lessons? Yeah. So that's highly variable. Um, and it, you can spend as, it, it truly spend as much as, as much as you want or as little as you want on the subject. Mm. And the way I like to, to look at it is one of the benefits of, of doing a science lesson is you can incorporate so many other subjects. So let's take, for example, you know, you've planned out your day. It's Monday, it's 930. For the next 45 minutes, we're going to do reading. Then after that, we're going to do math. One of the things about science is in the lesson of science that you're going to do, you can incorporate everything else. Like, for example, we did a lesson on electromagnetism. We have this one book that you know talks about the, the core concepts you want to cover when you're in when you're in the fifth grade and one of the pages was like magnetism and electromagnetism and it had this sort of age appropriate reading associated with it, it had a few math things associated with it. And so, and then at home, I came up with this, I didn't come up with it. It's a pretty common experiment where you can, you know, wrap a wire around a nail and, and create an electromagnet. So we did that experiment and then that took about, you know, several hours just to kind of gather the materials. I mean, it was a nail, it was a wire, you go out to your home store, but then, you know, you come back, you do the experiment, but then my kids, they can read what was in the, the, um, the book that we were using at the time that talks about it. And in that reading, they were talking about the scientists that came up with it, for example, like Hans Orsted, you know, who's kind of the mastermind behind all of it. So yeah, it's a morning of science but you can easily incorporate the reading. You can easily incorporate the history. And that's what I think is one of the beneficial things about it because it can be daunting to think, especially if you don't have a science background, well, it's gonna take me forever to do it. And I've got all these other things to, to, to cover. And I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice the one thing that I don't feel comfortable doing. But if you're able to do it, if you're able to take the time to do it, then you can just end that lesson, incorporate history, incorporate science. And you may have spent your entire morning or entire day just you know quote unquote on science but you could easily check off history spelling you know reading mm -hmm. and just have your whole day covered you're so right that that is a really good point and um just for people out there and even you like it, for people who don't quite know stacy and i from each other quite yet so i'm the one who's all about reading and um I don't know, the arts. I don't really know how to describe me. History. S history. And then Stacy is really all about like science and like technology and a little, maybe a little more mathy. I don't know. I think we're about even on math. But um, yeah. yeah, so she, I'm always the one who's dragging my feet when it's coming to science because I'm like, ugh this subject. It, it feels so like um, disjointed from the rest. So I like that you just said that because those are all really good points. And um, yeah, I need to take a lot of that to heart. So I like that you just said that. Um, but now I also want to ask you, is there a way that um, are there certain ways I should say that parents can make science fun in their homeschool? So I'm going to try to answer that without a lot of a lot of bias, because okay. um, for me, as as spending my my career in science, so it'd be like me going up to somebody and be like, you know, how do you make a birthday party fun? Like they're just inherently fun. So like to me, and again, I it's a, it's a completely appropriate question. I hear it all the time, but I'm like, how is it not fun? I you know. know. <laughs> but for somebody, and again, I I appreciate my bias and, and understand it. Um, like my wife 
it has has sort of a similar background in math and i'm like how can you make that fun and she's like it, it is it just is but for folks you know not as comfortable i mean you have to find a, a way to make it hands-on you have to one like like i said promote the in engagement when they ask you the questions instead of saying i don't really know and then kind of set it aside and move on because you don't want to continue to field questions you don't know like I said previously, just say, let's find out when we get home. And just that time, even if it's just, you know, take for example, uh, my son asked me the other day, uh, or it was my daughter, but like, how many moons does Jupiter have? You know, off the top of my head, well, I, I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. but I said, let's go home and find out. So you spend that time together. You're in front of a book that you pulled out or you're in front of the computer and that bonding and, and looking up together, that in, in and of itself is fun, but also, so, you know, hands-on experiences, these experiments that you can come up with in your home. But that goes across all the subjects. Like if you're teaching number theory or just counting numbers, your your child is going to have so much more fun, you know, counting beans and rolling dice versus just let me write down these numbers again, you know. Mm -hmm. So it really comes down to can you make it interactive? Can you come up with these simple you – know, they don't have to be complex. Just, you know, blowing up balloons to – various sizes and then letting them go and then seeing the distance that they fly and you know you're incorporating like you know I, uh, newton with you know reactions and and, and things like that so it, it doesn't have to be complex you don't have to get or reinvent the wheel it's um it's just a matter of engaging them yeah and i i know you're also coming from a bias of you're coming from a teaching background which for some people who are homeschooling you know they don't have any teaching background they don't have like maybe even a background in academia so they're like how could i possibly teach my kids this but really all you need is to like give your kids that support and you guys go learn together so i like that you're talking about you know going home looking things up even you who you know a lot about science it's like you gotta look stuff up too so everyone has to do it another thing that i like about your channel is the whole like fun aspect because um you make it really fun all of the videos that you have and all the experiments i think that's a really important component of teaching science don't you think stacy yes i mean making sure that everything is just exciting and so i mean you know in teaching we find that the more excited you are about a topic it's more likely that the kids will also kind of jump on board with you so making it as fun as possible and again that's i love how you mentioned you know when there's questions you don't know that can kind of discourage because sometimes that's my biggest problem when teaching science again like i said other channels just kind of show you the experiment but it doesn't tell you the why and while i'm doing the experiment my kids are asking me those 75 questions a day um why does this happen you know why 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 is the science concept working and i have no idea and the video i watched before doesn't tell me or the blog post i'm reading but again, I love that you include that. And so I'm always looking for resources that are showing the why behind it so that when my kids ask that question, I can feel a, like a little bit of an expert, even if I know nothing in the topic. And then that way um, we can go to Google or YouTube and look up more questions if we need to. Yeah. And I feel that just promotes, you know, getting back to promoting curiosity, like you're not expected to know everything. And when your kids see you go look something up, then that teaches them that's that's what's normal, you know, and to, to be able to, and that promotes their critical thinking. Well, I don't know how this works, 
let me go find out. Let me do my own experiment. Let me do my own research. It's what it's what my parents do. Mm-hmm. It's what I need to do instead of having it kind of fed to them with other resources and just kind of taking it for what it's worth. Um, that, that's another reason I think it's kind of critical we do it that way. Yeah, that's the beauty oh, of homeschooling. I so much with that because, you know, I remember growing up and being in school, I thought teachers knew everything. Right. And um, recently I was subbing at a school and I, a kid asked me a question like, when were light bulbs created? And I just in front of them, I like Googled it just to find out. And a kid looked at me and was just like, wait, I thought teachers knew everything. <laughs> and so I just like looked at him. I'm like, we don't. I promise you, nobody knows everything. You've always got to keep learning and keep looking stuff up when you don't know it. So, and it, I could just see his mind was blown that I didn't know the answer to everything. And it was just hilarious. Um, so, yeah. yes, I love that you touched on that. And now let's take a quick break. Sometimes at the end of the day, wouldn't it be nice to just be able to watch something with your kids that you know is child appropriate and educational? Give CuriosityStream a try. CuriosityStream is the world's first streaming service dedicated to curating and delivering the best documentaries from around the globe to be watched ad-free on demand anytime and anywhere. You can stream to basically any device starting at an affordable $2.99 a month. They have so many documentaries on so many different subjects. They have science, history, the arts, everything is on there. Mine and my kids' personal favorite right now is called A Stitch in Time, which is actually a series, and it explores history through the clothes that people wore. They even recreate the outfits using traditional methods, which my handicraft kids love. Check out all that Curiosity Stream has to offer by clicking the link in the show notes below. And now back to the show. homeschooling uh we know that you're a homeschooler john so we were curious what kinds of resources do you find helpful in your own homeschool when teaching science to your kids so like specifically like certain books or curriculum anything like that yeah and so for that i'm kind of all over the place um (laughs) and the library is huge we spend a lot of time at the library or our, our bookstore um you know barnes and nobles we have a ton of curriculum books everything from you know you'll go and you'll see these spectrum like the the spectrum series the the spectrum math or grade five you know so basically what i do is i'll go pick those up at the the grade appropriate um level that we're currently doing so for example i've got a a first grader one i think i think right now in fact i've got it from a first grade science you know and then the the spectrum grade five and what i'll do is i'll just kind of comb through it and look at the the topics and I, i mentioned previously that it one of them in the grade five they were talking about electromagnetism and so but basically i'll go through i'll get the topics and then you know if it's something that i'm, I'm super comfortable with and i can I, I remember experiments that i used to do when i was in high school then then i'll go back and, and and do it or recreate it or you know i'll just go to the internet you know there the, for better or for worse, it's there and, and we mm-hmm. should use it. Um, and, and there are so many things out there. So I will I will combine pretty much every resource I can get my hands on, whether it's going to the library for free books, whether it's going to Barnes and Nobles and getting these these sort of grade level curriculums and then supplementing it with the science that, that I can remember from teaching or I just go to go to the Internet and come up with experiments. So that's the main thing. I'll, I'll find the topic that I want to cover that's provided in these books, these curriculum books, 
And then I'll just go and think, well, what kind of experiment can I, can I add on to that? And that, that's really kind of how we progress throughout the year. I think that's refreshing for homeschoolers to hear because they would probably assume someone like you has like this specific magical curriculum that has everything laid out. And it's like, that's kind of rare to find, like finding something that would work specific, like perfectly for your family and your kids at their grade levels. So I like that you're, you're kind of all over the place because I think that's the majority of us in homeschooling. Um, so that's refreshing to hear. <laughs> and it, we get out of order so easily, you know, and not following the, the timeline is probably big too. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't, we don't follow the curriculum a hundred percent. If we, if we're outside with my kids, you know, they looking at the stars or they, they see a, a, an animal or a bug in the grass and they, they ask questions about it, then we'll just kind of go inside and look at it. And I'll try to find something that, that falls in line in the curriculum for the books that we're doing that, that grade. And then that kind of helps as well. It's just, it's the, the curriculum books are there as kind of like a guide, but by no means do we follow them a hundred percent. You know, I really try to do, let the, there's the term unschooling. Mm-hmm. And as a former educator, I try to steer away from that because it makes it sound like, you know, curriculums aren't necessarily, and I, and I certainly don't believe that's the case, but I definitely like to get my kids sort of spontaneous input in what they want to learn and kind of follow that path as well. Right. There's definitely a right way to do unschooling. And and unschooling is also just such a negative term. Um, and I think it appeals to some people who maybe are not, you know, former teachers. But it's I the way I think of it is like student led. That's, I think, a big part of homeschooling in general is like letting your kids kind of lead the way in some aspects, because that's going to lead to just a lot of um, curiosity and interest, which I think we're all seeking because we just want, we want it to be engaging for our kids. So how do you find time to fit in science? You know, you're a busy guy, you and your wife um, are both working, um, but how do you find time to fit in science? Like you said, a lot of the experiments can sometimes take a while. Do you have any tips for making it fit into your homeschool day? So it's tough, yeah. It it can be quite um, time consuming, not only just doing the experiment, um, and making sure that your your kids learn something, but just in the in the preparation, um, we did we did sort of that classic Coke and Mentos experiment, and you know you would think, well, let me just take a, a Coke bottle out there and drop some Mentos into it, and it'll only take you know a few minutes. But you know you, your kids see it and and they get so excited, they see that wonder, and they're like, oh man, you did that with one Mentos, how many? You know, what would happen if we put five Mentos in there? What would happen if we use more Coke? And you don't want to discourage it. So all of a sudden, you know, a 20-minute exercise turns into your whole morning and you feel like, well, we were we were supposed to do a little math today. We were supposed to do a little reading as well. But it goes back to kind of what I was saying. It's It's so much easier, I believe, to be able to incorporate other aspects of the education into a science lesson, for example, the reading, especially math. I mean, so much science is just applied mathematics. So, you know, combining those two is probably the easiest. And then, you know, when you're studying new terms, if you're just, for example, the, the Coke and the Mentos, you're talking about solutions and, and dilute and concentrated. Well, those are those are complex terms, but they're not so complex that your your child can't understand it. And they're certainly not more complex that they can't be included in like a spelling list. So there you've got your spelling lesson. And from the from the terms that you learned in the lesson, you've got applied mathematics, you've got whatever reading materials that kind of go along with the 
the, the experiment that you have and th whatever experiment that you're doing has been done previously. And it was at some point down the line discovered by someone. So when you look that up and, and you read about it, well, there's your history. So yeah, it, it takes a lot of time. And what may take ultimately 20 minutes progresses to all morning. And while you didn't plan it, you, you ultimately still can easily say, well, we did our math, we did our spelling, we did our reading. And it may not have been how you originally planned it, but that's kind of, I mean, that's in that why we kind of homeschool, kind of do things the way we want to. I mean, it still hit, you know, all the objective markers. So that that's kind of how we do it. It does take time. But in doing that one lesson, we know that we're able to incorporate all the other lessons that we probably would have done that day anyway. Right. I love that. And that's all really good advice because, you know, a lot of us, I mean, Stacy and I both work full, full time from home, luckily, but um, yeah, it's just hard to fit in time for all these things. But you're right. It is the reason we homeschool, you know, not to do everything by the book. So like I said before, I'm kind of a reluctant science teacher in my homeschool. I It's kind of like I just do the bare minimum every month. But um, do you have any advice, particularly for parents who struggle with teaching science in their homeschools? So that's a good question. And number one would be don't go it alone. Um because it, it can be a struggle if it's not for, you know, I couldn't imagine having to, to teach my kids math. And, and fortunately, <laughs> my wife is able to, to do that. So then the main thing is don't go it alone. Find partners in the community that are also doing it. And, uh, you know, resources are going to vary from community to community. So it's I, I hate making these recommendations because I not I know not everyone is in sort of the same environment, but in the community where we we're in. South Carolina, but there's there's a zoo here, there's a children's museum here, and in the in the, the capital, not too far away, you know, they have this aquarium, and we're not too far away from from the beach. But use those resources in the community, and and they're going to help you so much to to come up with something that's going to be able to to let you satisfy your science recommendations. You know, if you truly are in a place where you're isolated, yeah, I mean, the, the internet is going to be your your best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there's so many resources out there. I mean, if, literally, if you, if you go to Google and just type in, you know, top kids science experiments in the kitchen, uh, you get so much good stuff out there. Um, but that would be my main thing is don't try to go it alone if it's certainly not your, um, your area of expertise. Well, that's where you come in because you have this wonderful <laughs> homeschool science YouTube channel. So I kind of want to just like a little bit now that we're kind of starting to wind down. I just want to talk to you a little bit about YouTube because you're actually the first YouTuber that we have interviewed on our podcast, which we're really excited about because YouTube is like our favorite medium. So um, how did you get the idea to start the homeschool science club on YouTube? Conversely, you're the first person to refer to me as a, as a YouTuber. I, I don't know, you know, because uh, it's just it, right now, you know, it's a hobby. And right. what I've always liked photography and to an extension videography. I've, I've always had cameras around. I can remember even in high school going on trips and I was the kid with the camera who, who the only thing I wanted to do was to take pictures. Um, and so I really feel like I, I missed when I was in when I was in school, like the the rapid rise of YouTube, of everybody sort of creating channels. And it's just something that I've kind of noticed over these last few years, all the, all these channels and everybody being, you know, super creative. And, I, and I'm sitting here with all this camera gear and I'm like, I would like to do that. Um, 
the problem that, that most of us have is uh, I was I work full time. You know, my wife and I homeschool my our children, and that's obviously a full time gig. And I, I just knew that I wouldn't be able to put anything remotely quality up there. And <laughs> you could argue what's up there right now is not is is not quality, but you know, but um, that's not true. <laughs> after, <laughs> but after after seeing other YouTubers that I like and I follow, I realized what they're what they're, the reason they're so good at what they're doing is because they're making content about what they know. And then it was sort of a light bulb moment. I was like, well, let me just make a channel about what I know. And, you know, if people watch the videos, it, and it's great. And, and what I wanted to do is an extension of, of that. And, and you kind of alluded to it, Stacey, with the, 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 um, the worksheets that I post on the website. I, that was the one thing that I wanted to kind of sort of differentiate myself with is there are a lot of channels out there that, that promote science and they do such a wonderful job. And their their quality is is just top notch, but from from a homeschooling standpoint, it's, it's, especially at the elementary age, the videos they're making are just over the top. Like they can't be replicated in the kitchen because you know they're, they're trying to get views, and I totally get that. So I was like, well, let me let me keep it basic and just do something that if my audience is for homeschoolers, well, that's what I'm going to focus on. And then as, a, as an added bonus, the, the, the worksheets that we make for our kids, um, I'll just put them online. And, and that way, you know, hopefully somebody who doesn't have a strong background can really not only just put their kids in, in front of the video and watch it, but then replicate it fairly easily at home. And then at the end, they can download the worksheet. And then they've got sort of objective data that their child has learned something and you know everybody's homeschooling environment is different oftentimes you have to kind of turn in what you what you've um you know learned throughout the year so you can you know prove to whatever you know curriculum that you belong to that you're actually doing something it's a little bit easier that way and say oh well my kid watched three hours of of science channels on youtube how do you say you know what can you justify that they learned from that so that I kind of got off track there, but that's really the point of the channel is just to promote science education at, at this age group and really provide somebody who might not be as comfortable with science, a little bit of knowledge and background and perhaps a worksheet that they can give to their, their child that can sort of prove objectively that, yeah, maybe they did learn something through it. Yes, I absolutely love the aspect of the worksheets because, again, you know, they ask this why, but I, I love having something tangible that I can just print off that goes right along with the lesson. It's very, and especially finding it on YouTube, that's very rare to have something that you can use that, um, you know, you could show to a school or an umbrella school or whatever, or, you know, the state, whatever you need it for. And because like you said, you can't just tell them, oh, we watch lots of YouTube. Um, so having something that is more tangible right there that's already connected to the videos is just it, it is priceless. Yeah, that was the goal, I guess, or, or continues to be the goal. And it's, you know, I, I talk to people at, at work where I work primarily and, and they know about the channel and they'll, they'll, they'll often ask, well, how's the channel going? You know, because they see all the success of the other channels. And to me, it's not about success. Like if nobody watches the video or, or nobody downloads the worksheet, it's not like I'm going to stop, you know, homeschooling my kids. So, you know, we just, we're just going to keep doing it and, and see what happens. I think it's time now to get my favorite part of almost every episode is the recommendation of the week. So John, what is your recommendation of the week for our listeners? 
So I'm going to kind of go against the grain, if you'll let me, and maybe make this plural, a, a <laughs> of, couple of recommendations. Of course. Um, and, and the first is, you know, when, when talk, one of the questions earlier was, you know, what kind of resources do you use? And so I have two favorite books. I'm sure that they might be able to be placed in the show notes, but if you're listening, all you really have to do is just Google Smithsonian, the animals, a visual encyclopedia. It is a great book for the elementary learner because a lot of the questions our kids ask are about animals. And they're, it's such a, a, such a great book. It's such a great encyclopedia that's written at their age levels. The pictures are, are amazing and the topics that they cover um, are, are right on point. So it, it goes to that point when you when they're in the car and they're, when you hear that question, daddy or mommy, why, why do, you know, why, why are reptiles mostly out at night? You know, you can go, well, let's look at, let's look at this book and let's find out together. So that's book number one. And then book number two that I'd like to recommend is the, it's literally called the science book. And then sort of the tagline underneath it is big ideas simply explained. And, um, because I, I really enjoy when, when we ask that question that I, that I don't know right off the top of my head, trying to find it in a, in a book first before going to the internet. Um, the, you know, the internet is certainly great, but when you can sit down together and read it together in a book, I just feel like it adds a little bit more to the, to the experience. So that's part one of my recommendations, those two books, The Animals Encyclopedia and The Science Book. The second part I would be, and it's easier said than done, but try to commit to at least once a week or perhaps even once a month to doing an experiment with your, with your children. And just know that it doesn't have to be complicated. And it can be something as simple as what I'm about to describe. At the end of a meal, just take a chicken bone and put it into a glass jar and fill it up with vinegar. And let your kids do it and let it sit there for it varies, obviously, depending on the size of the bone, you know, a couple of days, maybe a week. But over time, that hard chicken bone is going to turn to rubber. And when you see your kids pull that hard chicken bone out and they can just bend it with their hands. And when you look at their face and you see their eyes get real big and they're like, what happened? And you can just see that curiosity. You know, it, it do, it's hard not to get excited about that. There exists so many experiments like that that are just so super simple, but can invoke that sense of wonder. So if you can commit to, like I said, one a week or, or one a month, then um, yeah, it's a start. And that's a great start. Well, I'm excited about that experiment. I'm like, I'm grinning ear to ear because I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds so cool. And I want to do that. Um, so forget the kids. I'm just going to do this experiment myself and they can just I guess, watch. <laughs> but anyway, I love that. That is so cool. And I, I like that you just, you're such a science guy. Like you can just like pull an experiment out of the hat, like, Oh, yeah. After dinner, just do this. I mean, that's so easy and anyone could do that. So that's I just love it. It's so much fun. Um, well, I guess now that we're just about done, uh, can you tell people, John, where they can find you on the Internet so that everyone else can watch your videos, too? Yeah, sure. You just you know, YouTube and just Google Homeschool Science Club and uh, hopefully it'll come up. <laughs> we do have a website. Um, it's just homeschoolscienceclub.com. And that's where we have all of our worksheets posted that you can download. I have other sort of science recommendations. I have like a, a growing library of x-rays that you can download and just let your kids kind of learn off those. Um, obviously, I, you know, just like most parents, we're super busy. I always joke that my website looks like it was designed by a four-year-old because I, I just don't know what I'm doing when it comes to 
um, web design. And I, I don't, unfortunately, in time, perhaps that'll change. I don't have a very big social media following. Um, but that being said, if anybody has any questions about an experiment, I still have time to kind of read all the comments on the YouTube site. So if they have any questions or, or anything they want us to particularly cover or, or thoughts on an experiment, how to even what, you know, how to make it better. Um, but yeah, those are probably the two main areas to know the youtube.com slash homeschool science club. And then of course, just the homeschool science club.com. That's where we are. Perfect. Well, everyone, if you're looking for a good homeschool science YouTube channel, check out homeschool science club on YouTube. John, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a real treat and we're just your biggest fans. Thank you again very much. I appreciate it. Oh my goodness. Thank you, John from Homeschool Science Club. So much for being here on our show. That was great, wasn't it, Stacy? I just loved everything that he talked about. Like, it's so refreshing to talk to a homeschooler. It's refreshing to talk to a YouTuber. It's so great to talk to someone that just has so many ideas in all of like the realms that you and I are interested in. Yes, I just love all the content and I, I can't get enough. I'm like literally speechless here. I have no idea what more to say other than, I mean, did you listen to that? That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, Stacy and I are a little starstruck. We cannot believe we just spoke to John. So anyway, thank you, John, for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. And we know that our listeners will love your channel. So um, yeah, thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I know there are a lot of platforms out there, but uh, whichever one you use, go ahead and follow, subscribe, rate, review, any of those things, because it really, really helps other people find the show as well. And we really appreciate it. And we also wanted to notify you of our new podcast schedule. So we're going to have a long form episode every other week, similar to what we were doing before our break. And we are also still going to continue our how-to segments. So we're going to put those in the off weeks. So we'll have a long-form episode, and then it'll be a how-to video, and then a long-form, and then our shorter how-tos. So it should give you... So now you can come tune in every single week, and we will be here for you. Yeah, so if anyone has any ideas for little homeschool how-tos that we can fit into a one of those podcast episodes, feel free to email us at kidslearningforlife at gmail.com, or you can find Find us on Instagram or Facebook at Kids Learning for Life because um, on any of those platforms, you can reach out to us and let us know what you're wanting to learn more about. And if you have any guest recommendations as well, we'd love to hear who you want us to go chat with. Perfect. Well, I guess it's time now to say see you next time. <laughs>